With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. You should consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence and base all financial decisions on your specific situation. The show is furnished by Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor. Rick Edelman is also a registered representative and principal of Sanders Morris Harris, an affiliated broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. And a very happy weekend to you. Rick Edelman here. Thanks very much for joining the program. You know the drill. Welcome your telephone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. And that phone number, 888-752-6742 on investments, taxes, mortgages, insurance, college planning, retirement planning, buying houses, leasing cars, getting out of debt. My colleagues and I at Edelman Financial happy to answer your questions. If you can't get through on the air, call during the week. We'll be happy to respond to your phone calls and emails and get you the information you need to make your personal finances as successful as possible. And you're wondering, how on earth is that possible, given the incredible gyration of the stock market this week? I mean, here we are with the very first week of the year, and we are bombarded by unbelievable volatility. On Monday, just in case you didn't notice, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 331 points. Wow, that was the worst one day we've had in over a year. And then on Tuesday, it fell another 130. Between the two days, the Dow was down 461. Ah! Just absolutely horrific. But then, on Wednesday, the Dow jumped 212. And on Thursday, it jumped 323. The two days was a gain of 535. In other words, the stock market has been going... It's just been crazy. And then Friday, the Dow ended down 170. The bottom line is, how can you make any sense out of any of this? And isn't that the ruse? The answer, of course, is that you can't make any sense of this. This is why you've got to completely ignore the daily gyrations of the stock market. Pity those who got scared on Monday and downright panicked by Tuesday. With an incredible decline of 461 points in just two days, people convinced, oh my goodness, Wednesday has to be just as bad, and sold on Tuesday, only to discover... That Wednesday had a complete reversal, followed by an even stronger Thursday. Better to be Rip Van Winkle, basically. Here's what it comes down to. I've been warning you for the past couple of months. I've been warning you that we were going to be experiencing volatility. And trying to assuage your worries that volatility in and of itself isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with volatility. In fact, I'll prove it to you. Think about this. No one objects 
to upside volatility. Right? <laughs> Think about that. You don't mind if the stock market rises 300 points. You only get upset if it falls 300 points. You only object to downside volatility. But you can't have one without the other. I dare you to show me a one-sided coin. It's kind of like that old Three Stooges joke. When Mo tells Larry to cook him breakfast and he orders his eggs sunny side down and don't turn them over. Can't be done. And so I don't want you to worry about volatility. What I want you to understand is that volatility is an inherent part of the market. If you don't want your investments to fall, you're telling me that you don't want them to rise either because going up is at the hip, merged, fused, welded to going down. It's just how it works. So how do you handle it? What do you do in the face of it? Well, it's really simple. Recognize the difference. You may have heard me use this analogy in the past. Recognize the difference between surfers and sailors. If you're a surfer, big waves can wipe you out. But surfs and big waves have no impact on the tides. That tide is going to roll in on schedule. It's going to roll out on schedule, and sailors know that. Sailors know how to cross the ocean, even though surfers can easily get wiped out. And that's the difference. The Dow's daily volatility, the daily fluctuation, are the waves of the ocean, and you shouldn't care less. You want to focus on the tides because they're measurable, they're predictable, they're manageable. And that's the difference between daily market timing, tactical strategizing ways of getting in what's hot, getting out of what's not, moving on a frequent basis, trying to predict what's going to happen next, making an investment decision today based on what happened yesterday. Those are the waves of the ocean. Instead, by focusing on the tide, you can focus on the long term. You can focus on your objectives. I want to get from London to New York, and you want to set sail, and you will tolerate the occasionally high waves because that's necessary in order for you to achieve your goal. So I want you to recognize that if you're a long-term investor, answer that question for me. Are you or are you not? Are you a long-term investor or not? Not everybody is. Some people love those waves. They love to watch CNBC and Bloomberg and business, Fox Business, and they love to go onto Yahoo Finance and go into all these websites on a regular basis. They track the market all day long because they regard it as a hobby. Some people are watching sports all day long. Some are gambling all day long, some are gardening all day long, and some are playing the market all day long. So if that's you, fine. I'm not going to argue with you, although I frankly could. Instead, I'm going to say, fine, keep doing what you're doing, have fun, and good luck. But if you are a long-term investor, then why are you concerned with what the Dow does on an individual day, at an individual moment? Who cares? What difference does it make? If you can't tell me what the Dow did on January 16th of last year then what it did this past week is of no greater consequence. 
And that's the point, isn't it? In other words, what happened this past week, you'll soon forget because you'll be caught up with what it does next week. It doesn't make any difference. One final point. 300 points on the Dow, which is what it did on Monday. It fell 300. And it's what it did on Thursday. It rose 300. 300 points on the Dow isn't the big deal that you think it is. You see, the Dow right now is at about 18,000. A 300-point move is 1.7%. That's just not a big deal. But go back to when the Dow was 10,000, back in 2009. When the Dow was much lower, a 300-point move, which was a much bigger deal. In fact, do you remember in the credit crisis? Do you remember when the Dow was only around 10,000 and we had an 800-point drop one day? That was an 8% move. That was scary. But 300 points on an 18,000 Dow, that's 1.7%. Stop looking at numbers. Start looking at percentages. And you'll discover that the percentage movements aren't that big a deal. It's just routine. And since it's routine, it isn't something that you need to pay a whole lot of attention to. Hope that makes some sense. If it doesn't, give us a call, 888-PLAN-RICK. If you're not sure that your investments are responding correctly, if you are losing far too much money relative to what's going on in the marketplace, you might be in higher risk investments than you ought to be. You might be in more expensive investments than you ought to be. You ought to be in, in investment. You might be in investments that aren't suitable for you. They aren't appropriate based on your circumstances. We can show you whether or not that's the case and help you fix it. Give us a call. Let us do for you a free portfolio review. We'll take a look at your investments in your retirement plan at work, in your IRAs, in your joint accounts. We'll look at your brokerage accounts and mutual fund accounts. We'll help you figure out if your investments are what they ought to be. And if not, we'll give you... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do advice and recommendations on what you ought to do to fix it, and we'll do it for you at no cost. We've been offering this free portfolio review forever, ever since my wife and I, Jean, founded this company, Edelman Financial Services, way back in the 1980s. We've been doing it ever since. We'll do it for you right now. Just give us a call and take advantage of it. 888-PLAN-RICK or call us at 888-752-6742 and ask for that free portfolio review. I'm Rick Edelman. I've got more to tell you about the folly of volatility and who is steering you wrong. Stay with us on The Rick Edelman Show. With the advisor whose firm manages over $13 billion in assets for people just like you. Coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. I was sharing with you in our earlier segment the importance of staying focused on the long term and to not pay attention to volatility. 
You know who does pay attention to volatility, who is trying to capture and exploit the short term? Stock analysts, quite frankly. How do they do? Stock analysts are constantly issuing recommendations all year long. They're telling you what to buy and what to sell. Well, there's a site out there called TipRanks, and they track the recommendations from 3,400 stock analysts. And they have revealed that in 2014, those 3,400 stock analysts, these are folks who work for the biggest brokerage firms in the country, they issued 29,142 buy and sell recommendations. 3,400 analysts produced almost 30,000 signals of whether you should buy or sell a given stock. How did they do? Their average return of those 30,000 buy now, sell now recommendations, the average annualized return was 4.4%. By the way, the S&P 500 last year was up 13%, or almost three times as much. So it just demonstrates that if professional Wall Street stock analysts, people who are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, to tell their clients whether you should buy a stock or sell a stock, if their average return was only one-third what the average return was of the overall stock market, what does that tell you about whether or not you ought to pay any attention to what these guys are saying? No wonder that FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, this is the traffic cop for the financial industry, this is the top regulator of the brokerage industry and stockbrokers and mutual funds, FINRA has just announced that they are now going to target this year abusive sales practices that are occurring in a variety of these kinds of products. Alternative mutual funds, securities-backed lines of credit, and floating rake bank loan funds. Have you ever heard of any of these? Have you ever been pitched any of this stuff by any of those brokers? FINRA says, and check this out, this is amazing. Notice that FINRA isn't complaining about the products. FINRA is complaining about the abusive sales practices being used to pitch these products to you. FINRA says that brokers don't understand how these funds will respond to various market conditions, and therefore, FINRA says, the brokers can't warn their customs, their, their customers appropriately. In other words, your broker doesn't know that he's lying to you. And I know what that's what you're thinking. My broker is a nice guy. My broker would never lie to me. No, he wouldn't on purpose. He wouldn't deliberately. The problem is your broker only knows as much as his brokerage firm has taught him. He only knows as much as he's been taught. And if he hasn't been taught how alternative mutual funds are going to react in various market conditions, he can't warn you about it. There could be risks associated with those investments that he hasn't told you about because he doesn't even know about it himself. That's a big concern of FINRA. How about buying securities on margin? You invest $100,000. The broker says to you, let's borrow $50,000. So now you can buy $150,000 worth of securities. 
So if they double in value, instead of your hundred grand growing to two hundred grand, now your hundred grand grows to three hundred grand, thanks to the margin, thanks to borrowing the money. Finra wants to make sure that brokers are warning clients how this loan really works. Because if the stock goes down in price, you could be forced to sell it while it's down to pay back the loan, and you still have the loan, even though the value of the stock has gone down. And then finally, floating rate bank loan funds. The promoters claim that these products protect you from interest rate risk, and I'll bet you're worried about interest rate risk because I've told you to worry about it. I've told you for the past couple of years now that as interest rates go up, the value of your bonds are going to go down. I've warned you about this. So here along comes a product called a a floating rate bank loan fund. That's a mouthful. And the product is designed to protect you from interest rate risk. So if you now talk to a financial salesperson, some broker or somewhere, and you say, look, I'm really worried about interest rate risk. Rick Edelman says, stay away from long-term bonds because interest rate risk will really expose you to losing a lot of money if interest rates go up. The broker say, hey, I got a perfect solution for you. Let's buy a floating rate bank loan fund because it'll protect you from interest rates going up. But what he doesn't tell you is that those products expose you to liquidity risk and credit risk. In other words, you can lose just as much money, even more, if other problems occur in the financial marketplace. FINRA is worried about all three of these things, and that's why you've got to be really careful if you're trying to buy products that are designed to protect you from what's going on at the moment. This past Monday and Tuesday, you were worried about the market falling. Well, quick, I need a product to solve that. Wednesday and Thursday, the market skyrockets. Quick, I need a product to let me exploit that. That's the danger. And this is why you've got to say no to all that stuff. You've got to walk away from the daily gyrations of the market. And here's the good news. That's exactly what you're doing. According to the latest data out of Morningstar, investors in 2014 withdrew $13 billion dollars from actively managed mutual funds. Net, if you compare the amount of money people put into those funds versus the money they took out, they took out $13 billion more than they put in. Investors on a net basis sold their actively managed stock funds. And no wonder the overwhelming majority of those funds, over 80% of them, failed to make as much money as the index. But they forced you to take higher risk and made you pay higher fees along the way. That's a lousy combination. Think about that. Higher risk, higher fees, and lower returns. And yet that's what over 80% of actively managed stock funds did last year. Investors aren't dumb. You get it. And so you've sold those investments. And where did you put it? Into passively managed funds. Investors put in a quarter of a trillion dollars, $250 billion into passively managed funds. We're uh, going to be back. I want you to stay with us right here on The Rick Edelman Show. It's the truth about money. Triple H Plan Rick. Visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Stay with us. For free articles on personal finance, sign up for Rick's email update at rickedelman.com. 
Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You know, we're bringing back our seminar, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, this month here in January. And I thought it would be fun to have uh, somebody here in the studio with me right now. Well, actually, lots of somebodies. This place is packed. We're like... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know, clowns in a clown car. Uh, uh, and uh, I've got all of my educators here in the room. We have our financial independence team, all of my professional speakers and trainers and educators. Uh, there are 11 of us uh, who run around the country all year long doing nothing but teaching our seminars and providing you with the financial education and information you need. Uh, so I thought it would be fun, since everybody's here uh, at our uh, headquarters this week, We've been updating the seminar and, and going through the latest 2014 data and, and prepping for uh, our new uh, seminar series. Uh, I thought it would be fun to have everybody say hello to you. So say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Oh, knock it off. Um, so what I, just, just out of curiosity, because th- last year, I mean, a lot of folks know that we do these seminars all across the country. Last year in 2014, I think we presented like, what, 800 seminars all across the United States. And we're going to do a similar number, probably even more, this year in 2015. We had about 35,000 people attend the seminars last year, and we'll have an even larger number we anticipate this year. And so a fundamental question, I think, uh, that I want to ask all of you, or some of you, you can decide who wants to step up to the mic here. So Anna Dawson, what is it like to present my material to audiences? Well, thank you so much, Rick. First of all, I do want to say that it's an incredible honor to represent uh, such a message that I believe in and uh, so many people do. But I got to tell you, it's a little bit terrifying to try to stand in your shoes. <laughs> uh, Vicki Wilson, what do you think? I think it's an absolute thrill because you are a walking encyclopedia. You have such a strong fan base and we've had a great time. I've learned everything from him and it just calms their soul. Are they surprised when you tell them that you've actually met me? I mean, is there an assumption that all you did was read a book and show up and saying whatever's on your mind? Keith Spangle. Yes, Rick. They want they want, like to know a lot about your background. Uh, I don't think some people know that you started in a, uh, a financial beat in journalism. Uh, people want to know why you got so interested in this. And uh, they, they also ask a lot about Gene. 
Uh, and thank goodness for that. Um, my wife, Jean, as most folks know, founded the company with me many, many years ago. And the basis of our firm's uh, origins was financial education. And we began by doing seminars to local PTA groups, elementary school PTA groups. And we've never stopped that uh, activity and that effort because there's so much need for people to learn about personal finance. And the, it's just gotten bigger than I can personally handle. And that's why we now have an entire team of, uh, of all of us uh, doing this on a, on a full-time basis. But why is it that people attend these seminars? What, what do you find in talking with folks around the country at, at each of these events? They'll have, what, 15, 20 people, up to 50, 75 people in a seminar. We try to keep the numbers pretty low to keep them intimate uh, and, and one-on-one. What's the reason they come? What is it that they're saying? Uh, Clarence Haynes, tell, tell us why is it that people attend these seminars? Well, the, the thing that I'm often told is that they love the fact that we take the complicated subject and simplify it for them. Uh, many times they're walking out saying, wow, you know what, I really don't understand this stuff, but you made it easy, you made it, uh, uh, I'm able to understand, I walk out, I understood everything you talked about tonight. Well, that's really an important theme. I'm, I'm glad people are resonating with that, Clarence, because Wall Street, one of my big criticisms is that Wall Street is infamous, notorious, in fact, for making simple concepts ridiculously complicated. Wall Street wants to intimidate you. They want to scare you. They want to make you feel that you're too dumb to grasp these concepts and that, therefore, you would better rely on them. You know, just, you know, it's like walking into a restaurant and asking a waiter, uh, what is this dish? And the waiter says, it's called shut up and eat. Uh, I don't think you would tolerate that from a waiter, but that's what Wall Street does. Just shut up and sign here. Write the check. Give me the money and go away. Don't, you know, don't bother me. Leave me alone. Uh, and I think that that's absurd and ridiculous and intolerable. And that's why we work so very hard to take these sometimes complex concepts and boil them down to very simple, plain English and deliver it in as fun and entertaining a way as we possibly uh, can. Uh, Kristen Oakley, tell us more. Yes, I think it provides a wonderful point of connection for people. I, you know, We all travel nationwide. I love getting to meet people who have been clients for years who are familiar with us, and that gives us a connect with the company at large and with you personally, Rick, and then also as we're an extension of all this. And then for people who've just found out about us or are wanting to learn or are interested in what we offer, it just gives them a great opportunity to come and see what we're about um, and just be able to really connect with us, connect with financial planners in their area, and see what we're all about. You know, that's a really interesting notion you just mentioned, Kristen, that, that we're doing this all across the country. And is there a difference, I wonder, from the questions people ask on the West Coast versus the questions people are asking on the East Coast? Is there a difference between Chicagoland and uh, South Florida? Uh, what are the key questions that people are asking uh, that you seem to come upon very frequently when you come and, and uh, meet these folks? What are the kinds of questions people commonly have? Well, like you say often, money doesn't come with instructions. So people are confused on how to get started. What are the first steps that I take? They have noise coming from all different directions, so they really want, as Clarence said, a clear, simple set of instructions. What do I do with my 401k? Where's the best place to put my money? How should I be saving? It's really the basics that they're asking. That's Shatila Winters, one of my financial independence team members. We're talking with all 10, all 11 of us, uh, because we're here in training uh, all this uh, past week at our headquarters as we prepare to go out with 2015 with our new seminar schedule, which uh, starts in just uh, a week or so. And uh, what we're discovering is that no matter where you live, no matter no matter uh, your age, no matter your occupation, marital status, no matter how much money you have or wish you had, 
the questions are all very, very common. We are much more alike than not. And that is one of the reasons we are able to provide such effective advice for so many people, because although this is brand new to you, it's not brand new to us. And, you know, it's sort of like going to a doctor. You never want to be that physician's first patient. But you quickly discover in the practice of medicine, you pretty much see the same symptoms and the same illnesses over and over and over again, which is what enables physicians to get really good at what they do. And that's the same thing for us as financial planners. Uh, it's pretty uncommon for someone to have a circumstance that is genuinely unique, that has stumped us, that is really a situation we've never encountered before. That doesn't mean that it's very pedestrian for you. It just means that you can have confidence that we do have the experience and the expertise to be able to deliver it for you. So along those lines, let me, let me ask you, what would you say? I mean, you're, you're, you're on the opposite end of the seminar. You, people are coming to these seminars because they want to learn. They want education. They want understanding. They want to get a sense of what should they be doing? What should they stop doing that they've been doing that's incorrect? From your perspective in presenting these seminars, which last you know 90 minutes, maybe two hours, a couple of hundred slides, uh, rapid fire going through, uh, workbooks and handouts. What is, in your mind, the most important information that you convey to people attending these events? Craig Engel. That it's absolutely not too late to get started. We have so many folks come to our seminars saying, I wish I knew this information when I was younger. I, there's no telling where I would be, but we always convey to them that no matter where you are in your lives, it's always a good time to start right now, and we can give you the tools and the knowledge to do so. Rick, I think one of the things that I've seen when I've come to these seminars um, is it's kind of just getting back to the basics. It's getting down to brass tacks, you know, just starting with simple finance 101, getting organized with your finances. You know, this is something that for people, it's just the hardest thing to do. And once we tell them how to do it, they're like, oh, I'm so empowered now. I'm so excited about this. That's Janelle Merrill. And that's really one of those interesting things, isn't it? I mean, it's not that we're going to teach you macroeconomic fundamental analysis kind of concepts. This is not a it's not a school. Uh, it's not a classroom. It's an opportunity for you to get exposed to fundamental ideas. And really, it is the basics. And I think half of it, what I'm hearing from you, is that it's really motivation. Uh, as, as I've said from the very first chapter of the very first book, book I ever wrote, the number one cause of financial failure is procrastination. And so what we have to recognize is that just getting started is really the key. It's who was it that said success is 90% perspiration and only 10% inspiration. inspiration. And so what we have to recognize is that just getting started is the key. And the seminar is a wonderful motivating tool to enable you to do that. So I'm, I'm really excited for the work that you're doing. You're reaching tens of thousands of people. You're giving them fabulous information that they can apply immediately, quickly, easily, inexpensively that has a material beneficial impact on their financial lives and their financial futures. So uh, on behalf of everybody who I know is going to attend the seminar this year, who has attended the seminar in the past, uh, thanks so much for everything you're doing on behalf of everyone who's going to attend the seminar this month, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRA. Everyone's going to have a great time. Thanks for all the work you're doing. And now you all get to say goodbye. 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 All right, get out of here.
I'm Rick Edelman, and as I mentioned, the seminar, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, is coming back starting the week of January the 19th. We'll be doing the event all over the country, from Florida and Texas, Washington, D.C. area, uh, throughout Boston, Metro New York, Los Angeles and Southern California, the Bay Area in California, Michigan, Baltimore, the Philadelphia region, Chicagoland, St. Louis. Get full dates locations, and times on our website at rickedelman.com. That's where you can register at ricedelman.com. $15 a person, $25 a couple. Everyone who attends gets a copy of my number one best-selling book, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs. I'm Rick Edelman. We'll be back. Stay with us. More with the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. 888-PLAN-RICK is our telephone number. You can reach us uh, right now uh, or anytime during the week. Just call us at 888-752-6742 or visit us online. Uh, go click that uh, red button. I want to talk to an advisor, and one of my colleagues or I at uh, Edelman Financial will be happy to respond to your email or your phone call and get you all the answers you need to your personal finance questions. Uh, let's uh, head off to Long Beach. Eric, welcome to the program. You're on the air. How are you? Hey, Rick. How you doing? Terrific. Thank you. I had a question about dividends. I don't totally understand how it benefits me to own dividend-paying stocks when I could just redeem shares and get the same effect. How, how is it different or beneficial to own dividend-paying stocks? That's a really good question, and I want to make sure we are talking here about actually owning the stocks themselves as opposed to a mutual fund. It was a mutual fund. I noticed that I had owned a, uh, a Fidelity mutual fund okay. and received a dividend. And the very next day, the share price went down considerably. So I called Fidelity and said, "Well, why did you know? Why did the share <laughs> price go down seven percent in one day? Right. Um, let, the market only went down two percent. Right. They said it was because of the dividend. Exactly. So let me make sure you understand this because this confuses an awful lot of people." And there's a big difference, like I said, between owning a dividend-paying stock versus owning a mutual fund of dividend-paying stocks. So let's talk about the stock first. Uh, many stocks uh, – well, in fact, let me turn it into a question to you, Eric. What is the point of owning stocks? It is because you are hoping what? You buy a stock because – I want it to appreciate over the long term. Exactly. That's why people buy stocks. They want it to grow in value. Congratulations. You get the applause of the day. Um, so that's exactly right. We buy stocks because we want them to rise in value. But what people don't know is that if you look historically at the uh, S&P 500 stock index since 1926, according to Ibbotson Associates, only 40% of the profits came from growth in price. Only 40%. The other 60%, the majority of the profit, the majority of the benefit of owning stocks came from the dividends, not the appreciation. And a lot of folks are surprised to hear this fact. Let me explain what I mean. You buy stock in a company. That company 
uh, if you pay 10 bucks a share, you're hoping that the stock goes to 11 bucks a share and then 12 and 13 and 14. And the only way that that happens is if other investors are willing to pay you more for the stock than you had paid to buy it. So that's between you and other investors. The company is not involved. Companies do not set their stock price. The open marketplace does. So the company is not involved. What the company is involved in is in running their business. The management of the company determines what their business practices are going to be. What are the products and services they're going to sell? How much money are they going to charge selling them? Can they sell their products and services at a profit? And hopefully the answer is yes, they will earn a profit. And when they earn a profit, they choose if they want to give some of that profit to the investors. And when they do that, it's called a dividend. They will, let's say that they make a buck a share. They can choose to send you 50 cents. That's a dividend. When a company sends a dividend to a shareholder, that has nothing to do with the share price. Remember, the company is not in control of the share price. Makes no difference. So people like to own dividend-paying stocks not only because of appreciation potential, but because of the dividend potential. And many stocks are famous for regularly paying dividends and routinely increasing the amount of the dividend. Utility companies are very famous for this. Uh, many of the blue chip companies uh, that have been around for 50 years or 100 years that are solid, stable businesses, I'm thinking companies like Microsoft or General Electric or um, IBM, these uh, companies have been around forever. They've paid dividends out of the profits, not all the profits, but part of the profits. Very, very common for that to occur. And again, investors love it. Under the tax laws, it doesn't make any difference to you. The amount of tax you're going to pay on a dividend is the same as the amount of tax you're going to pay on the profit. It's not going to make any difference to you. So from a tax perspective, you're just as happy getting a dividend as you are seeing the stock rise in value. Makes no difference as a owner of a dividend-paying stock. You with me so far? Yeah. Should I always reinvest those or should I well, you, pocket that? that well, we'll get, to that, we'll get to that question in a minute. That's a really important question. We'll get to that one in a minute. Let me talk to you about the mutual fund, though, because you own a mutual fund of dividend-paying stocks. Most Americans today don't own individual stocks. Most Americans today own mutual funds of stocks. And here is where the game changes dramatically. Because if the mutual fund owns the stock, then they're the ones who get the dividend. The mutual fund has its own share price. It's called the NAV, the net asset value. And the mutual fund, because it has its own NAV, Separate from the stock's share price, they collect all the dividends from all the stocks that they own, and when they take those dividends that they've collected from all those stocks and then send them on to you, which by law is what they have to do, so if they get a stock from GE or get a dividend from GE, they have to turn around and hand it off to you, they will reduce their share price by the amount of the dividend. So if they have a $10 share price and they send you a dollar worth of dividends, the new share price is $9. And so that's why you saw a huge drop in the value of your fund on the day they paid out a dividend. In other words, when you get the dividends from your mutual fund, it doesn't increase your wealth. And that is why, to the question you just asked, you should reinvest that dividend 
Don't force your fund company to send you that check. Leave it there on deposit. Reinvest it back into the fund for more shares. That's how you get the compounding benefit of long-term growth. And that's the best way to play it. All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. It's my pleasure, Eric. I'm really uh, glad that you called and glad I was able to answer your question for you. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. By the way, I mentioned just there in my conversation with Eric a uh, brief um, mention about taxes. Well, this is tax season. So you probably are getting ready to start your tax prep for uh, 2014. And uh, so I want to make it a little easier for you. Go to my website at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. We've got a lot of helpful tax information for you. Under the tax and finance section, you'll see a bunch of articles I've written, including what's a wash sale, why you shouldn't file your tax return until the end of March, whether or not you can deduct your asset management fee. All this information is available for free uh, to everybody, so I uh, invite you to do that. If you happen to be a client of Edelman Financial, if you're one of my clients, uh, and you get your, you, you probably got your December statement by now, hang on to that December statement because that's going to be helpful to you in filling out your tax return, and we're going to give you all kinds of information that you need to be able to prepare your taxes. So uh, get that info on the website. If you've got questions about your taxes, just give us a call at 888-PLAN-RICK, and we'll be happy to help as best we can. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK, rickedelman.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Providing personal finance advice for 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Thanks for hanging around this half hour. 888-PLAN-RICK is the phone number if you wanted to give us a call and uh, ask any questions you have of a personal finance nature. Uh, you know, I've been spending uh, a lot of time over the past uh, three years now, three plus years, helping you understand what's going on in the field of exponential technologies. 
Uh, and I want to share this with you on a little bit more of elaborate basis because it's really, really important. And I'm excited to tell you that something is coming that I think uh, you may be interested in. We all understand that the scenario of the Jetsons is going to be uh, in our future. I think we all realize that we'll all one day have flying cars and George Jetson will fold that car into his briefcase but when he uh, gets to work. And we all know that there's going to be a robot at home helping uh, Jane, his wife, take care of the house and the kids. I'm not sure if the dog's going to be talking, but that's another conversation. What I think shocks people, however, I think what would shock you if I were to tell you this, which is, I guess, a way of saying I'm about to shock you because I'm about to tell you this, is not that the Jetsons are in our future, but that the Jetsons are in our near future. It is the speed with which exponential technologies are becoming reality that is going to take so many people by surprise. Odds are very high, for example, that if you have a child under the age of five. Think about that. Do you have a child under the age of five, a grandchild, perhaps, under the age of five? Odds are high that child will never drive a car. That within 10 to 15 years, self-driving automobiles will be the norm. That's just one tiny example. In the field of exponential technologies, there are actually about nine, depending on how you categorize and count them, categories of how exponential technologies are going to be radically shaping and changing our world. Big data and analytics is one. Nanotechnology is another. Medicine and neuroscience. Networks and computer systems. Energy and environmental systems. Robotics. 3D printing bioinformatics, and massive innovation in the financial services field. All of these areas are going to experience fundamental, life-altering shifts that are going to affect not merely the field of personal finance, not merely society in general, but frankly, fundamentally, and forever, the entire planet. I've been studying the field of exponential technologies for a number of years now. Uh, have met uh, a couple of times with Ray Kurzweil, one of the leaders uh, in this field, uh, and one of the co-founders of Singularity University, where I graduated from the executive program back in 2012. In my effort to try to study what is going on in the field of exponential technologies, and how is it going to change our lives, how must therefore I change my advice? that my colleagues and I provide to you on a personal finance basis. I want to share with you just a little bit of the categories of these and what I'm talking about. I ran through this list of items, but let me explain to you a little bit of what I'm talking about. Big data and analytics. This is the capability of dealing with amounts of data that are simply too large and too complex to manipulate with standard methods or tools. What can you use big data to do? Track and predict weather, for one thing to analyze in great detail consumer behavior. Think of all of the data that Walmart collects from all of its daily transactions. How can you access, manage, manipulate, analyze, 
and reach conclusions about all of that customer data. How about the field of nanotechnology? This is dealing with dimensions of less than 100 nanometers. Do you know what a nanometer is? That is one billionth of a meter. This is the field of dealing with technology, machines that are so small that they're 100 billionths of a meter wide. This is essentially the manipulation of individual atoms and molecules. How about medicine and neuroscience? Everything from neurochemistry to experimental psychology, dealing with the structure or function of the nervous system and brain. Go back to nanotechnology for a minute. Imagine if we build a machine that is so small it can float in your bloodstream and can be implanted in your brain, which leads you to what is it they're going to implant? How about networks and computer systems? Telecommunication networks that allow computers to exchange data. Take the data in your brain and transmit it to another brain. Energy and environmental systems. Alternative renewable energy. Solar, wind, water, battery. The development of environmental management systems. Hey, let's control the weather that our big data is allowing us to analyze. Robotics, of course. The design, construction, operation, and application of robots. One study that came out last year that I told you about when the study emerged says that over the next 10 to 15 years, half of the jobs in this world will be replaced by robots. Think of the massive disruption. Virtually any mechanized, repeatable task that is currently done by a human can soon be done by a robot. Think about the freedom that will provide you from getting rid of the drudgery but also think about the disruption of the massive numbers of jobs that are eliminated along the way. How about 3D printing? Which is, of course, the process of making physical objects from a digital model. And you've begun to see evidence of 3D printing. Do you know that they're now working on 4D printing? This is where the object changes its shape only upon a signal being obtained, such as a change in temperature or a change in light, a change in... Uh, humidity. In other words, if it gets wet, it suddenly does what it needs to do. Think about George Jetson's briefcase when he turns it into a car. Think of transformers. That's 4D printing. The fourth D, the 4D is time. Then there's bioinformatics, the collecting and analyzing of complex biological data. You're already engaged in bioinformatics, I'm willing to bet. Do you wear a Fitbit? A lot of folks are wearing devices that track their body's biometrics through an array of sensors. People wear Fitbits to see what their heart rate is. How many steps are they walking in a given day? How much are they in REM during their sleep at night? Take this information, upload it to your smartphone, and you can track your performance on a day-to-day -day basis. Compare your performance to that of your family and friends to see who's walking more. Upload the data to your physician, who can let you know if some of your data is out of whack. And how can this data be applied on a massive basis, known as crowdsourcing, to track entire populations? And finally, Financial services innovation, non-traditional funding sources and platforms, digital currencies. I've talked with you often on this program about Bitcoin, for example, and the storing or transferring of these values, transferring money like you would at Western Union or through a Visa card. 
These areas of transformational technologies called exponential technologies growing at a vast rapidly rate are going to have amazing increases and changes in our lives. And I've been tra tracking this data, trying to bring it to you. And I'm happy to tell you that I'm in the process of, of trying to help solve a fundamental conundrum. How can an investor invest in these technologies? And I wanted to let you know that I am working hard and heavy on this. And in the next couple of months, I'm going to have an announcement for you, one that I think you're really going to be interested in hearing. I want you to stay tuned on this program over the next couple of months. I'll be sharing more information about exponential technologies, the investment opportunities and risks associated with it, because it's going to have a fundamental change on just about every aspect of our lives. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Don't come up short on your retirement. Get a free 401k review at rickedelman.com. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. We're going to take some telephone calls, shall we? Uh, inviting you to dial us up right here right now. Join the party at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. We've got Rory on the phone from Las Vegas. Hi, Rory. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good, Rick. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. How can I help? I know it all works, but sometimes I just don't quite understand how. Oh. <laughs> and, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, concerned. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Um, but I don't know. Well, you know, as long as you end up in the right place, I guess it doesn't matter how you got there. Uh, you mean you can't argue with success? I don't know. That's pretty that's dangerous. Right. That's pretty dangerous. But I worry about – I don't worry about it because I, I know it works, but, but I'm confused by volatility. And I understand the principle that, that volatility is short-term and doesn't matter, but it seems to me that it, would, it erodes your, your principle, especially when you have these long periods of volatility that we've been experiencing over the last several years. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you, the market drops 5% and then the next day gains 5%, well, 5% rise is not as much as a 5% drop. And if that goes on over long periods of time, it seems like your principal balance is eroded Gradually, so when the market does recover, it seriously affects your your uh, your performance. And yet, why hasn't you seen that on your statements? Well, my which is your which is why you're confused, right? Yeah, well, it, exactly. And I do kind of see it. I mean, I notice that you know, let's take the markets; they're they're up in the high seventeen hundreds, uh, where they were, you know five, six weeks ago, but my balances aren't as high as they were five, six weeks ago. Yeah, let me, let me explain to you why you're confused. Uh, and I think a lot of folks share your confusion. If the markets are volatile, if they go up and they go down, how can you be making any money, especially when you do the math that you alluded to, but you didn't do an actual uh, paper? Let, let me give you um, an illustration of this. If the stock market goes down 10% one day, how much does it have to go up the next day for you to break even, for you to get back to where you were? If the market goes down 10 one day, it has to go up 11 to break even. Think about this. Let's say you start with 100 bucks 
and it drops 10%. That's $10. You go from 100 bucks to 90 bucks. That's what happens with a 10% drop. You go from 100 to 90. To go from 90 back to 100, you need a gain of 11.1%. A gain of 10 is only going to get you from 90 to 99. Does that make sense? So and that's exactly where my conundrum yeah, comes and, in. And let me take it a step further. If let's say the market goes down 25, to get back to break even, you've got to go up 33. In fact, let me take it a step further. Let's say the Dow drops 50. That's what happened in 2008. The Dow dropped 50%. You have to have a 100% gain to get back to break even. That is how percentages work. And what many people do not realize is that the percentages are not the same as additions. Going down $5 means you have to gain $5. But going down 5% doesn't mean you only need 5% to get back to where you're going. In fact, let me give you a more extreme example to show you just how bizarre it can really go. Let's say you start with 100 bucks, and it drops 50%. And then it drops... After it drops 50%, it goes up 50%. And then it goes up another 33%. You go down 50, and then you go up 50, and then up 33. You've broken even. (laughs) And that's not intuitive. You would think, wait a minute. One down 50 and one up 50, they cancel themselves out. So the up 33, I must be doing really well. Not at all. You end up only breaking even because of how the percentages work. This is why I am always encouraging our clients, don't look at dollars. You've got to look at percentages because the percentages have a far different impact. I wrote about this extensively in my book, The Lies About Money, helping people understand how do you evaluate returns. So that's the first piece of information there, is to focus on how percentages behave because they behave very differently than dollars. Here's the second point for you, Rory. Volatility, as you've just mentioned it, is inaccurate. Okay, you said we've had a lot of volatility over the past few years. No, we haven't had a lot of volatility over the past few years. That's the fascinating thing. Volatility doesn't mean fluctuation. Volatility means you have a combination of prices going up and prices going down. Volatility means one day it's up, one day it's down. A rising market is when it's constantly going up. A falling market is when it's constantly going down. And since 2009, we have been in a rising market. Remember the Dow in 2009 was 6,700. Today it's near 18,000. We have been in a steadily rising market. Sure, there have been days here and there where it's gone down, but overall it's been a steadily rising market. That's not the same as a volatile market. Look at the NASDAQ. Over the last 15 years, the NASDAQ has been unchanged. It has experienced massive volatility during that period of time. So there's a difference between a rising market, falling market, and a volatile market. That's the first point. Here's the second point, and this is the most important. In your original example, market rising five and falling five, you were assuming that that's exactly what was going to happen. In other words, you were acting, Rory, as though you were playing with a yo-yo. (laughs) <laughs> Do you ever notice yo-yos? The amount they fall and the amount they rise is always the same. They go up, they go down, they go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. And when you look at that, if it goes up one, down one, up one, down one, the Dow is up 100, down 100, up 100, down 100. 
That's You're right. That's pointless. It's irrelevant. Nobody ever makes any money anywhere. Here's what you're missing. Picture a boy playing with a yo-yo. The yo-yo's going up, it's going down, it's going up, it's going down. Nothing. He's not accomplishing a darn thing. But while he's playing with the yo-yo, he's climbing a hill. Now, even though the yo-yo itself is just bouncing up and down with volatility, it's doing so at ever higher altitudes, rising over time. And that's the financial markets. That's the stock market. In other words, the stock market doesn't go up 2%, down 2%, up 2%, down 2%. It goes up 2, down 1, up 3, down 2, up 5, down 1, up 7, down 4. The gains in the market are bigger than the losses. The gains occur more frequently than the losses do. In other words, the game is rigged, and it's rigged in the favor of investors. There is periodic occasions, sometimes lengthy ones like 2008 credit crisis, sometimes daily ones like October 19th of 1987, the, the crash of 87, uh, Black Monday, where we have periods where the market really does fall, where that yo-yo falls off a string and goes crashing to the ground. But usually, over long periods, the up periods are bigger than the down, and there are more of them. And it's because of that that enables you to enjoy long-term profits like you've experienced. Make sense? Well, yeah, it does. That's why I hire people to do what I don't know how to do. I'm uh, glad we're able to help you very much, uh, Rory, and thank you so much for your call. When I come back on the program, I'm going to give you additional reasons why this works in your favor. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us on The Rick Edelman Show. with the author of the number one bestseller, Rescue Your Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. Well, how about we go take a telephone call, shall we? Let's head on out to 888-PLAN-RICK. That's the phone number that Jack just dialed up. He's in Marshfield, Massachusetts, Jack, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, good. Thanks, Rick, uh, for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, I'm, I'm already a client of yours, but I'm concerned about the unprecedented $18 trillion debt. So my, my question is that the dollar is strengthening. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply lately, but when the interest rates finally do go up, could that result in a currency crisis, and um, would that also devalue stocks and bonds as well as, of course, cash savings? Thank you. Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the reason, (laughs) he's like, well, then what am I listening to you for? Why am I a client? Why have I given you my life savings? Uh, To get an answer like, I don't know, to a pretty fundamentally important question as yours, um, And here's why I don't know. You're assuming, Jack, well, maybe you're not assuming, but the question is phrased in a way that there is an assumption that there's a causal relationship between rising interest rates, the value of the dollar, and economic stability. And there isn't necessarily such a relationship between the two. So let's not assume that what happens to interest rates necessarily happens to the dollar, which necessarily leads to an economic result on uh, the U.S. or the globe. And the reason that there is no causal relationship is that we have only talked about two data points. We've talked about interest rates and the dollar. But there are so many more data points than just that that will have an impact on whether or not the economy does well or does poorly relative to the federal debt and so on. For example, yeah, the federal debt is one of those data points, as is the federal deficit, which are is a very different thing. Sometimes people right. get confused about those two points. The debt is how much money we owe. Uh, the deficit is how much money we are paying. Uh, in other words, think about your credit card bill. You might have a balance of five grand, but this month's payment is a hundred bucks. That's the difference between the debt and the deficit. So, those are two data points. And then, of course, the biggie dealing with a macroeconomic issue is what's going on in the rest of the world. In other words, one of the reasons that the U.S. dollar is strong is because of its relative stability to other currencies around the globe because of their economic fortunes. In other words, a lot of people right now are very worried about Russia because of the uh, ridiculous, uh, that's a euphemism, behavior of Putin uh, and the uh, economic um, penalties that we have levied on that uh, nation. There's worries that Western Europe, uh, the members of the European Union, are in a recession. There's fear of a deflationary environment there. Much of the Far East is struggling to uh, recover as strongly from the 2008 credit crisis as the United States has done. And so for those reasons, the dollar is almost a relative conversation rather than an absolute conversation. Yes, the dollar is strong, but is it because we're doing so well or is it because they're doing so poorly? So there are so many different factors going on on a a macroeconomic basis that it's difficult to look at any one data point and say, if this goes this way, then therefore 
something will be the result uh, that way. So be very careful about making that. That's why I said I really don't know what's going to happen because it's going to depend what else happens on so many other aspects, inflation, employment data, the weather, quite frankly. Uh, If we have uh, a continuation of a horrible cold spell like the nation has experienced, that could have a dramatic impact on the commodities markets. It could affect crops. It could affect uh, so many different elements of the agricultural sector, uh, the oil and energy sector with very low oil prices, which everybody loves when buying gasoline, but nobody loves it if you work for uh, one of the oil companies and you're trying to make money by drilling oil in the ocean. So it's a very complicated uh, question, and that's why I want to be very careful that nobody looks to a very quick, easy answer. And that's what you tend to find in the mass media. When these kinds of questions get posed on CNBC or on Fox Business or on Bloomberg or at Reuters, uh, when you see them posted on all the online websites like Yahoo Finance and on and on and on, these pundits, these analysts, these market prognosticators love to give you a 30-second soundbite where they sound very intelligent and they say definitively, what's going to happen next? And there's the old joke about the guy who goes on TV tomorrow to tell you why what he told you yesterday didn't happen today. (laughs) And so I want to caution against that and recognize there really is no one who knows the answer to your question. And there are only two kinds of people, those who don't know that they don't know and those who do know they don't know and are lying to you by pretending they do. So I wish I had a good answer. And in the absence of a good answer... I'll tell you what the answer is that we give you, that we have already given you since you're our client specifically, and the answer I share here on the radio and and in our seminars. The answer, since I don't know what's going to happen next, therefore, should I invest in stocks or should I invest in bonds? Should those be short-term bonds or long-term bonds? Should I invest in real estate? And what kind of real estate? Should it be retail uh, shopping centers or should it be office buildings? Should it be apartment buildings or agricultural land or or uh, forestry? Should I invest in commodities? Should I invest in foreign securities? Should I invest in precious metals? And should it be gold or silver or platinum? Should it be uh, minerals like zinc and copper? Uh, should it be treasuries or should it be junk bonds? Where should I be investing in the face of the fact that my answer to you a moment ago was, I don't know? The answer is all of the above. It's called diversification. Since I don't know which asset class is going to perform well, let's invest in all of them because the one thing I do know for certain, one of them is going to do really well. I also know for certain one of them will do poorly. Since I don't know which will be which, let's own them all because history tells us that the assets that do well make much more money than the assets that do poorly. And that's just mathematical fact. Think about it. I'll give you this question, Jack. How much, what's the maximum loss that an investment can suffer? The maximum it could suffer? Yeah. 100%. Exactly. You get the uh, applause of the day. Uh, It's a 100% (laughs) loss. That wasn't too difficult a question. Now, let me ask you this. What is the maximum gain that it can earn? 100%. No, my friend, that is not correct. Well, more than 100%. Think think about this. Yes. Think about this. An investment's maximum gain is unlimited. Unlimited, right. And that's why if you look at the record, in fact, since it's January and we've got the new year started off, everybody's publishing lists of the 2014, last year, everybody's publishing lists of last year's best-performing stocks and worst-performing stocks. And what you'll discover is that the worst-performing stocks 
all lost about 100%. They all went broke. The worst ones went broke. But the best ones had gains of 200, 300, 400%. And it's because of that fundamental fact that the gains can beat the losers just out of sheer arithmetic that people are willing to invest broadly in the financial markets. And that's what I advise for you. Broad-based diversification with a long-term time horizon makes up for the fact that I don't know the answer to your question. Make sense? It makes it makes sense. I guess my only concern is, and I, and I have read your book, and I know you, you make the point, as you did now, that the chicken littles always say the sky is falling um, and that we're not in normal times. But I guess what gets me a little bit concerned, I mean, you have the short term and the long term, and I know you've looked at stocks and bonds over the long term being, you know, 100 years, a century or so. But if you take the long, long, the longer historic view, I mean, you could make an argument that we indeed really are not in normal times because not only of the $18 trillion debt, but if you look at the the gap between the top 1% or 10%, whatever you want to call it, the demise of the middle class, that's that's at a historic high. Actually, Jack, actually, uh, non participation in the workforce and so on. No, Jack, you're wrong on all three of your premises. And this is really important to understand. <laughs> Educate me. Uh, yeah, it's, and, and this is really important. Number one, uh, the $18 trillion debt is not unprecedented. You, yeah, that's a big dollar amount, but as a percentage of GDP, as a percentage of the um, nation's total productivity, the total net worth of the country, it's actually a relatively small percentage and, in fact, is in line with historic norms. You can go back to many other periods in U.S. history where the percentage of our debt relative to our GDP has been far worse than it is today. Look at Japan, for example, the fourth largest economy in the world. Their debt is twice as high as ours on a GDP comparison basis. In other words, if you look at Japan's debt at $13 trillion, ours is $18 right. trillion, you say, oh, ours is worse than Japan's. No, it isn't because our economy is so much bigger than theirs. So you have you can't look at the absolute number. You have to look at it relative to the GDP. And on that basis, our $18 trillion isn't as scary as it first appears. I'm not defending it. I'm not justifying it. Right, right. I don't mean to suggest it's not a problem. It's just not as big a problem as you're suggesting it's not unprecedented. That's point number one. Point number two, if you look uh, historically, again, over long-term uh, results and periods of time, you discover that wealth is not more concentrated in America today than it has been historically. If you go back to the 1800s, the robber baron era, to the beginning of the Industrial Age, the level of concentration uh, of, of wealth was far greater than it is today. Uh, when you had the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Mellons uh, and the Kennedys, the, the amount of wealth they held relative to the rest of the country we are far better off today than we were in those eras. So be really careful before you look at the uh, uh, sound bites that you get from some folks who are trying to scare the bejeebers out of you for their own motivations and purposes that I don't know to getting you to think that things are far worse than in fact they really are. Not at all. Uh, it isn't nearly that case. So uh, I don't think you need to be worried about it from that perspective. You've, you've, like, I'm, I'm feeling better by the minute here. Good. That's my goal. That's my job. Because <laughs> thank, if I did, if the data was pointing the other direction, we would be doing something very different with our investment management. So have no concerns. Very good. Well, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for calling, Jack. I uh, really appreciate thanks, that a thanks, lot. Thanks, Rick. Have a great day. You too. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us for more on The Truth About Money.
learn how to diversify your investments. Try Rick's free guide to portfolio selection at rickedelman.com. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Hey, I wanted to let you know that this coming Wednesday, January 14th, I'm going to be on CNBC's Closing Bell for the full hour. The segment will be broadcast from the New York Stock Exchange. So, yes, I'm headed to New York uh, for the 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time slot. Um, It'll be a lively conversation, as CNBC (laughs) generally is. What I'm going to talk about for a whole hour with the hosts, I have no idea. They haven't told me yet. Um... There was an interesting little uh, piece of legislation tucked into the federal budget that Congress passed very late last year, and it got no attention, very little press. I'm sure you aren't aware of it, so let me mention it to you. It is a new tax-free savings account that Congress has created called the ABLE account. That's an acronym, but I have... No idea what for. Bottom line is this. You know what the 529 college savings plan is, right? Uh, This is a way for you to be able to save for college for your kid. The 529 college savings plan lets you put money into the account. The money grows completely tax-free. And if you withdraw the money and use it for college, then the withdrawals are tax-free as well. So um, that's a 529 plan. You're familiar with that. I talk about it often on the show. Terrific way to save for college. Now, the new ABLE account is very similar. It's based on the 529 rules. So it works and looks kind of the same. But it's not for college. It's for those who are disabled. You see, there's been a problem under uh, state and federal law regarding financial support for those with disabilities. Because most people, I don't know if it's most is a fair word, but an awful lot of those with disabilities are dependent on state and federal social service programs for financial support. Social security programs, um, state social service agencies, and so on. Which means that if you're a parent or a grandparent of a special needs child, Giving that child, and when I say child, very often these are adult children. These are simply folks with developmental or medical uh, or uh, mental, physical disabilities that prevent them from being able to live independently. They're unable to uh, hold a, a job, and they therefore can't earn any income. And so the family provides money to them for their support. But if the family gives them money, they suddenly get disqualified from from getting state and county and federal financial aid or financial service or, or, or social services. The ABLE savings account is designed to solve that problem. Now you're able to set money aside in an ABLE account without disqualifying the special needs individual from the social services that they would otherwise be receiving. You'll be able to contribute up to $14,000 a year to anyone who became blind or disabled before age 26. The account balances can be as high as $100,000 without affecting Social Security benefits. So on the one hand, it sounds pretty cool that for finally, for the first time, families with special needs kids can in fact set money aside for those kids without worrying about loss of Social Service support. 
However, our initial review, and it's ongoing, but our initial review of this leads us to be rather nonplussed by it. We're not terribly thrilled. For one thing, we note that if the account balance is over $100,000, it will affect Social Security benefits. Well, that's a problem because if you do your job right, the account will grow to more than a hundred grand. Isn't that the whole point of saving and investing? Is that if you save fourteen grand a year plus it grows in value, it isn't going to take terribly long to have more than a hundred thousand bucks, and that puts you right back where you started. So uh, because of that, we are not yet convinced that we are going to be actively recommending this for our clients who have special needs. Uh, uh, children or, or others in their families. Uh, I should also mention that it is not yet available to you. Each each of the states are going to have to establish these accounts, just like they had to establish the 529 plans. So uh, it's going to take the states a little while to get that done, but I expect within the next several months that's going to occur. So stay tuned. I'll keep you posted both on the state availability and on our attitude as to whether you should, in fact, pay attention to it. If you do have any questions, feel free to call and talk with one of my colleagues at Edelman Financial or talk with your tax advisor for more info on the new ABLE accounts for families with special needs. Separately or simultaneously, the state of Illinois just did something as a first, uh, and I am am anticipating many other states following suit. Illinois says that starting in 2017, people who work for businesses that don't provide a 401k will have the opportunity to be automatically enrolled in a program created for them by the state government. This will not cost Illinois taxpayers any money because the participants will pay for the plan themselves. They figure it's going to cost three-fourths of 1% per year, kind of typical in the range of money management services. Uh, They're going to automatically debit your pay 3% unless you opt out of the program. Frankly, I think this is wonderful. Uh, because we know that only half of American workers are participating in a retirement plan at work. And this is why so many American workers aren't saving for retirement, because their employers don't offer them a plan. So Illinois is saying, if your boss doesn't offer a plan, we're going to put you in the statewide program instead. Frankly, I wish that Illinois was going to debit your pay 6%, not just 3 because 3 isn't going to, frankly solve your retirement income need, six would do a lot better job. Ten would even do better than that. So I'd love a 10% debit. Well, politically, that ain't happening. And you will be able to opt out if you wish. We're hopeful that the plan is run well and that other states follow suit. There is no question that retirement savings is one of the leading financial crises of American households today. And by the way, if you do have a retirement plan at work and you're trying to figure out how to make best advantage of it, I invite you to take advantage of the seminar we're presenting starting on January 20th and 21st on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's coming to Silver Spring and Columbia, Maryland, Tyson's Corner, Virginia, Needham outside of Boston, in the New York area, Garden City and Tarrytown, at Marina Del Rey near Los Angeles, at Walnut Creek in California, Southfield, Michigan, and Northbrook, Illinois. Later, we'll be doing the seminar in other cities around the country. You can get all the registration information online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Thanks very much. Had a great time with you today, and I'll see you next week on another edition of The Truth About Life. Get the truth about money every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.